Welcome back to the podcast. We are delighted today to be hosting Dr. Larry Jefferson. Dr. Jefferson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. This is very exciting. You know, it's my first podcast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, there's so much about the history of the, uh, the Hebrew Robert M. Barron Academy that this will be a good opportunity to kind of give my perspective at least and let other people know what's happened before that. Fantastic. And you, you're really the first one I've talked to about the history from way back. Um, so I'm excited to hear. Um, so I know you were not around at the very, very beginning, but what have you heard? What stories do you know about the very beginning of Hebrew Academy? Yeah, it, there was a gentleman by the name of Bernard uh, Dworsky who moved from North Carolina in, a, in like the late <laughs> mid-60s, I guess, and said, we need an Orthodox school in this town. And the first person he reached out to was Reverend Saul Goodman, Shelby's father. And he convinced him it was a worthwhile thing to do. Uh, and they had their first meeting uh, on March 4th, 1969, wow. in the home of Irene and Reverend Saul Goodman, uh, Shelby's parents, um, to set up a, uh, you know, to explore the possibility of just to create a meeting. Interestingly, at that meeting, there was Renee Booten, Sheldon's mother, wow. and Evelyn and Sidney Reichenthal, Max's parents. Wow, really around from the very beginning. Yeah, and, and among others, you know, but, but those are the ones that we still have some connection to. Um, they set up a budget in 1970, 71 academic year of $35,000. <laughs> wow. They had 60 students in nurseries through second grade. Pretty good. Do you know what the tuition was then, by any chance? Do you have any? Uh... I don't know. Okay. Don't. Fascinating. Very. It, 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 it clearly, as now, did not cover the cost of the school. <laughs> Things have changed a little bit. It is true. Yeah. Um, and any stories you've you've uh, researched or heard about since from the very early years? Yeah. So I, I saw that the academy grew from eighty one, with eighty one students through grade four and seventy two, seventy three. 90 students in 73, 74, and then it became apparent, and I knew these stories, you know, from the people who really lived it, we were outgrowing the space EOS. Um, and, you know, one thing that I hope to uh, uh, reinforce is how the people back then really took on a lot of responsibility. Um, the bingo games were legendary, and the journals were legendary, because they knew they had to raise money. Right. And they didn't have any big donors to go to year after year. Um, and they took out a mortgage, and then they uh, moved to the building on South Braiswood and Chimney Rock, where now the Harmony Academy is. Uh, I know it grew to 280 students by 1993. Amazing. Of course, that remember, that was a time when Chabad was the only Orthodox school, and there was no other Jewish high school, either to the right or to the left. Right. Okay. I think I want to spend some time, and the school really has to give a little harkar natov to Baruch Adina Brody. Uh, they moved in the early 80s, and they really pumped energy into the school, and they did everything for the school. Uh, Dina was an interior decorator and used her samples and her professional discount to provide furniture and decorations, whatever is needed, office furniture. 
Baruch moved to Houston to become a professor at Rice at Baylor College of Medicine. He chaired the education committee. I sat, I was fortunate to sit on the education, the board of education, our education committee uh, during those years, even when he stepped down, but was still active as Max Mintz took over chairman of that committee. Um, one thing Baruch mandated, and I learned from him, is you never pass a deficit budget. Mm -hmm. And again, through 2000, through 1994, he, you know, we really created $980,000 endowment. Which we thought we're going to be, you know, not able to touch the corpus on. But even beyond that, um, Dina and Baruch spent Sundays planting flowers to save money and putting in landscapes. They did it themselves. They swept the floor wow. a couple nights a week. They mopped the floor. They painted the rooms. That's incredible. They were not going to put a deficit budget in front of the school and they did everything they can personally sounds like it there sounds like they really put their heart and souls into it they really did and you know sometimes it's easy for us these days to go for big donors and don't take do the hard sweat that i saw maybe people hear that message during this podcast absolutely and so uh you you moved to houston towards the end of the 80s is that correct Actually, I moved it in 76, and then Man Nancy Man uh, moved in 83. Ah, okay. Well, that's that's a whole other story. I'd love to hear sometime. That is another whole story. <laughs> I'd love to hear that history sometime. Um, but can you talk to the time when the school became Robert M. Barron Academy? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, when we started at our, at the time, only daughters at the Hebrew Academy, we spoke to my father-in-law and received his generous support. My father-in-law also reached out to his two uncles, Harry Barron, who put $100,000 in the endowment, and Israel, that was Harry Barron, and Israel Henry Barron gave money for the Beit Medrash in the old building and then the new building. Um, then, in 1999, the Brodies found out my father-in-law was visiting. They asked to come over and speak to them. And again, the Brodies, Hakar Tatov. Uh, they took my father-in-law into our library, spent about an hour and a half there, and we came out with the Robert, or they came out with the Robert M. Barron Academy. Wow! Wow! They get, they get the credit for that. That's... It, it was, you know, it was a time of really great excitement. Um, we we had gotten to about a 308 students or so, 309 at Amazing. the time. We were really we were meeting in the hallway. I mean, we were meeting in the entry hall, and we really had to need space. It was a time of great excitement. We were all very excited, but probably no more excited, no one was more excited than the high school boys and girls. Because we were such a small school and no room for a gym, mm -hmm. they never played a home basketball game. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was a big excitement. The, the, the high school and the middle school, all the sports seemed to now have a, a you know, a, a basketball gym to play with. Um, Oh, that's that's those, that's what I remember. That beautiful, and that and so it was '99 when it became uh, Robert M. Barron Academy. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Um, and how does it feel, you know, for your for your wife Nancy to share a last name with this school? It's got to be a special feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we both take a lot of pride. Um, Nancy obviously takes a lot of pride. Um, you know, part of my continued 
participation and efforts at the school is, I feel, an obligation. I helped solicit my father-in-law or set him up to be solicited by the Brodies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I feel that, uh, you know, the monies that my father-in-law put to establish, continues to put in the monies from his great uncles, I feel an obligation to kind of keep an eye on that and to be sure it's used appropriately Absolutely. and wise. Absolutely. The, the other story that Nancy always tells, which uh, I think at a different level her feeling, she remembers the first years when I think the kids were playing soccer and uh, you know on the ball it read somebody had written Baron and she said I felt like I had to pick it up and take it home. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized it was the school. <laughs> oh, that's great. I didn't even think yeah. about that. That's really special. Yeah. Um, so. That's a good segue into uh, your involvement with the board. I am sure you personally have been involved with the board and the school for a lot of years. And could you could you talk some about that and some of the highlights? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to step back a little bit. In 1986, Irene was born, and I decided I wanted to do some reconnaissance. So I got myself appointed to the Day School Allocation Subcommittee for the Federation. Oh, wow. Um, and it was very educational because, you know, all the day schools, I don't know if you still do it, but all yes. the day schools have to make a presentation. And that really put, uh, you know, that was really put the, you know, the schools in perspective. Uh, I remember Esther Freeman was head of school. It was very bubbly, very, you know, warm, very exciting, and sort of I picked up my ears. And I'll tell you something, but from another head of school at the time, that really sunk into me, and I came home and talked to Nancy and really sent a message to us. Um, Robertson Pena uh, uh, Lazaro, mm. right? Um, she came and said, you know, you don't give enough money to Jewish education. And she kind of lectured the allocation committee, which is, you know, and she said, you know, we have a three-year-old kid. Um, you can either teach them Mary had a little lamb or Torah seed with Lana Moshe. And it's your responsibility that young children have an opportunity to learn that song. That's beautiful. I thought it was. And it, it, it's, you know, and the next part, which I'm sure probably has raised as much to the Federation and others as anybody is my time visiting Deverick Ehrlichman's class. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, the whole allocations committee was, I'm sure they are every year if you still, they still make site visits, you know. They don't anymore. They, yeah, no more I presentation mean, just, either. No, it was just, we were just blown away by, you know, obviously, yeah. the skill. So if you step back and say that she played a major part in our family getting to the academy and the support of Robert M. Barron Academy. That's amazing. She may be your most valuable asset No years and years and years. No doubt. Financially as well as educationally. Wow, and this is 40, her 42nd year. She was one of my first interviews for this podcast. Yeah, um, she's amazing. Agreed. So, I thought I'd tell those stories. Now, so... When Irene uh, went to kindergarten and Elizabeth went to, we were at Montessori, but then we brought Elizabeth to preschool when Irene went to Mont uh, in kindergarten. That was 1989. In those days, the board raised money. 
and the Board of Education passed the budget, hmm. interviewed faculty, did class in-class evaluation. I know things are different. It was a very hands-on committee. Right. You had to spend one year as an observer before you could vote. And then you maxed out at three years. Interesting. So 89, 90, 91, 92, I guess, in my time there. Or is that right? 94, whatever, 93. And then I came on the came on the board at that time. Okay. So I've been on the board since, uh, what do we say, 90, 91, 92, 93. Since 93, I've been on the board. Amazing. So 28, yeah. 28 years. Yeah. It's, uh, one second, Mike. Okay. Um, you know, and it's really been a, an incredible honor. And, and interesting times, big challenge, you know. I've, I've chaired the fundraising some years, you know. Uh, I don't know, I've just taken on whatever roles I can take, whatever things I can do. You know, the medical committee this year has been a big, important part of my life. And, uh, Absolutely. And, and, and we you know, are... I, I think that's, that's, you know, it's, I'll do whatever I can do. And, and that's been critical. I don't know how many people even know about that, um, but and it's probably nothing you ever imagined taking on as as a board role. But we needed the medical committee this year to help us deal with the pandemic. Yeah. It was really unprecedented, you know, having a school in the time of a pandemic. And so, uh, your advice has been really greatly appreciated, really invaluable this year. Uh, and maybe I can say, as a member of the medical committee, I I have to, you know commend you and commend your, your your administrative staff and the faculty. I mean, it's just been an outstanding year. I think we can really look back at that with pride. And, and you know, I'm not sure it's a, it's a secret, of, but, but many people have said that, you know, people have sort of looked at our school because we've done so well. And right. maybe how well the faculty and the administration is, has done this year is going to bring us more students because it really became a blessing for us, you know, how we handled this. Yeah, I just got the news today. We got two more students, so we're we're really going to uh, uh, grow substantially next year, which we're really excited about. And yeah, really, right. the medical committee's guidance every two weeks has really been uh, critical uh, to making sure we we kept the ship steady. So again, thank you very very much for that. Um, any any highlights in particular that you remember over those years? I know I've had a whole separate podcast about the uh, the basketball story from 2011 2012. Other highlights or memories that you have that were really special about Robert and Barron Academy? I remember, I remember the baseball team when our pitcher had to go to bar mitzvah lesson. <laughs> <laughs> we had one pitcher, and his mom made him come to his bar mitzvah lesson. Oh, that's fantastic. What and, happened to um, the game? At, well, let's see. After about... 20 some runs on the top of the first. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, we couldn't find anybody to get the ball over the plate. Oh, my. You know what? I wonder if I interviewed Noe Jacobson for this podcast as well, and he referenced a time where he got stuck on the mound and hit three of the first four batters he faced. I wonder if that was the same day. Yeah, I didn't want to use his name, but if he admitted it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love the way these yeah. stories come together. <laughs> wow. That was a great highlight. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, let's see, another highlight was uh, the first Washington trip. Mm. Do you remember when uh, that was? Thought, let's see. That would be 
I think nine, maybe 2000. Okay. Maybe 2000. I mean, we, the purpose of it, and I know Nancy and I gave a little financial support that it was early years, was we wanted to kind of solidify the eighth grade. Right. So if there were some kids who were wavering about going someplace else, we wanted them to have a, a unique experience. That's great. I don't know how well that's done, but we've at least tried it, that, you know. And how about, think, how about the Israel trip? How long has that been around? You know, I don't know. Okay, I just curious. Because, I mean, in the old days, I'll tell you this story, how we got, you know, the old days, the senior year wasn't Israel. Right. And I remember that was something we had to work on because um, what became was part of the problem was, you know, we get accreditation, we get kids with enough academic credits and enough AP courses, it just wasn't going to work out. And so we had to kind of, over years, kind of move that back. And I think uh, maybe um, Noe was the year that was a, an optional or something, it was a transition. But the way it got started was when the Brody's oldest son, Todd, mm -hmm. and Harry Brown were like the two people in the senior class. Oh, wow. They decided they wanted to do something special. So they declared the seniors went to Israel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. So and that for many years. And, of okay. course, that really solidified our design as support. Right. I mean, I think that's another highlight is the. 100%. Designist, you know, yeah. uh, our designist effort we put in. Very, right, very much in line with the mission. And it's funny yeah. because uh, in Atlanta, they also went through a time when their senior year was in Israel and then evolved to the spot where that was no longer the case. Um, so similar histories. Um, and how about wh where would you like to see the school in 10 years? I would like to see us have a sufficiently large student body that we have to build more building. I mean. I would hope we have a strong alumni base that supports our school. And I'd like us to have a million dollars endowment where we are not, where we cannot touch the corpus and you just have to keep building. We were there, you know, mm -hmm. 20 some years ago, but right. we got to get back to it. Absolutely. That's great. And, and again, I appreciate your thoughtfulness and your research and, and hearing from you personally means a lot. I know just how involved and how instrumental in the evolution of the school you have been. So I really appreciate you crafting this time out to speak to me today. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Jefferson. Thanks so much. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. Yeah,